0: So by definition, you're somebody who can fit into any situation, right? Yeah. So
1: what makes you Misfit Magellan? My school teacher always kept saying I was Misfit. When I started, I didn't know that I can fit into any situation. That's how Misfit came up. And also it's a crazy acronym because I couldn't say FIT Magellan. That, that, that would have been a fitness channel.
2: <laughs> like a radio Broadcast advises safety at all times. Discusses underage but celebrates the spirit of motorcycling. And How? Good morning, Tango Charlie. This is Easy Peter, 3 515 I'm ready to roll.
3: See you in five at the d and Bay. Over and out.
0: Welcome to episode 58, another cracker of an episode from Biker Radio Broadcast, a podcast celebrating India's heroic riders, legendary mechanics and iconic leaders through stories told by members of the community, one legend at a time. I'm Shandy and joining me back on part two of The Long Way Home is motorcycle rider, insatiable explorer, restless soul, entrepreneur, speed talker, smooth operator, beard grower, coffee Drinker, content creator, maverick, marketeer, and intrepid traveler Rohit Subramanian. His story is almost unbelievable. And if you've missed listening to episode number 57, please pause cast, go back one episode and savor it. And when you're salivating for more, pause no more. You've heard the story of how Rohit makes it through school, one that's run by the Rajnikanth family in Chennai, how his parents elected to celebrate failure over success so that he could be indifferent to both. You heard the story of a teenage traveler reliving his celluloid dreams in the Himalayas, not shy of living out a nomadic existence and honing his entrepreneurial skills, thinking on his feet and closing a windfall of a deal for a struggling bike rental entrepreneur. You've even heard the soundtrack of a Sivaji Ganesan song about the Anubhavi Raja as Rohit hit the ground, sliding his royal infield on one of the many turns of Lay's winding roads. We pick up the story from there when he returns to finish college in Bangalore. Here on the 58th episode of The Long Way Home on the Biker Radio podcast, I'm Shandy and our guest is Rohit Subramanian.
1: When I came back, there was one strong thing in my head. I said, I should not go out every week when I get a chance to just step out and go, you know, because I really felt if I'd start doing that, then I would um, not have this dream or aim to just leave for a long time. And I didn't know how long I want to leave, but I said, I want to go for a long time. If I keep doing this weekend rides, I won't be able to do that. Okay. So that's when I started focusing more time in college, like like doing stuff in Bangalore and not traveling. But this kept accumulating in in myself like deep down I'm like man I really want to step out I really want to do something I really want to like travel and all of that so it was always there but I didn't do it so 2013-14 uh, yeah. 14 is when I started the startup hmm. basically so final year of college they said go do internship somewhere I said like I tried doing internship but I couldn't get anything that was interesting for me to do hmm. okay so they said then if you don't get an internship then you won't get a degree so oh I basically said, let me go and start my own company. So I was actually, this happened in a way where we were standing outside the college. One of our friends was doing a short film and he didn't have money to do the short film. Uh, so we all said, dude, like each of us will put 500 rupees each. You would get like 5,000 bucks and that's enough for your short film to go and shoot. Like all you want is like rent and equipment basically, right? right. So so that happened and I said, well, why can't this be a business model? So then when I went and researched about it uh, in US and UK, this was Pretty big, like Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and all of those are like huge as a a platforms, and they were like established like crazy. Mm. In India, nothing was there, so I said, "Why not start it?" And uh, I started it, and then like again, like it was very similar to a movie where the hero gets like beaten up twice, but the third time when the hero comes and punches back, like the audience are like full whistling and everything. So whistle boarding, yeah. So my faculty was like uh, saying that you won't get a degree if you don't submit the uh, internship letter. Mm. So I was thrown out of the room that day, so when I came back, I threw my visiting card on the table and said, "Well, that's my company. What certificate do you want now?" Leh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, le poha card actually. Translate that. No, this is a Varun Thakur joke, where he's like, he went full master chef Anderi on something, and he says, "Come eat poha right now." Very internal joke. <laughs> it's very difficult to explain as a concept. I'm sure.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: So the look in your uh, uh, professor's eyes when you threw the visiting card.
1: Yeah, she failed me in entrepreneurship <laughs>
0: exam. <laughs> no, no, yeah. that's not
1: no, possible. No, 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 why not? Yeah. But that's no,
2: that's incentive it's an exam. That's intentional. Yeah.
0: Failed no, on- entrepreneurship. Be. Yeah, that's that I get.
1: But then, yeah. how can you fail in entrepreneurship? That's what you did, dude. Exactly. So the theory paper of entrepreneurship I failed, ah. but. I've started a company in entrepreneurship, like in life. You could have written on
0: the theory yourself, right?
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I wrote my own textbook, but that was not matching the syllabus. Ah, okay. Ah, Those are problems. So college got over and I was running my own startup from the last year of college. It was Fund My Dream. It's a crowdfunding platform for creative projects. So if you're a musician or if you're a a director who wants to produce a movie or release an EP, you can put your campaign on the website and then... You can run the campaign, and people fund you. And for that, they get rewards like exclusive song before it releases to the world and stuff. Okay. So that was that was the startup that I was running. I was as the founder, co-founder was my flatmate. So we both were running that together. Okay. And um, I started like getting into the routine of life, which was uh, it, it is a clear-cut pattern where I could see where I wake up in the morning, I go to work, mm. I come back. Mm. Like little late in the night, mm. and I start. Um, I eat dinner, I watch a series yeah. or a movie, mm-hmm. and I go to bed. So this was like day in and day out, day in and day out, right? Mm. Mm. Saturday, Sunday was a little different because I used to like uh, hang out with friends. Friday, we had one rule in our company was that Friday morning was off for everyone. Okay. Because we are, we are a firm believer of watching first day first shows of movies. <laughs> so Friday from like you can come to office post lunch. There's no office b- before that because I won't open the office, nor my flatmate would open.
0: So yeah.
1: we were. Like, we're huge movie buffs. Like, both of us are like, we'll watch anything and everything that's there in any language. Doesn't matter. So, that's how it was. So, obviously, like, the the love for that always carried forward. So, Saturdays and Sundays was just chilling with friends and hanging out and everything. We used to have a book club that was running in our house. Hmm. So, people used to come and just read a book and, like, people used to just talk. One room was just about books. The other room was about movies. And then the main uh, hall uh, area was football and all of that used to happen. So, like, all the matches we used to watch. So this is what it is. And then one day I was sitting in Starbucks, this was 2015, oh. 2015 November, sitting in Starbucks. And I was just looking around a lot of people mm-hmm. and, uh, I was like, what could be the story of these guys? You know? Mm-hmm. And,
3: uh,
1: I'm like, you know, what, let me go and ask everyone what is the story. So okay. I shut my laptop down and I went and asked everyone, Um, saying, I'll tell you a story of a guy, Mm. tell me if you could relate to it. So Mm. like a lot of people having their own conversations and everything and the Starbucks, we were regular. So I was sitting there. Mm. So I said, a guy who was born, he went to school, went to college, got a job, got married, got kids, kid went to school, kid went to college. And you know, to add some Bollywood masala into it, you had good times, bad times, happiness, sadness, good memories, bad memories. Mm. Could this be a story? To my surprise, everyone's story was that, you know, Mm. and that's when I locked myself in the washroom and asked myself, what is my story? My story was exactly that. My story was no different. But at that moment, I told myself I can write my own story. Because if, if not now, if I have to save up myself, like, say, 40 years old self of me, and then have a life filled with regrets, um, I wouldn't uh, appreciate that. And I read an article about it, like, I think, f- prior to this, uh, asking this question to people, mm. where... Uh, This uh, 40-year-old guy who used to work really hard, has a family and everything. Mm. But now he's looking back at his life and he's like, I haven't done the things that I told myself as a 21-year-old guy that Mm. I will do. Mm. And Mm. I haven't done even one of that. I'd made a list for myself that I'll do skydiving. I'll do, you know, go on a motorcycle trip. I'll do all of this. But I haven't achieved anything because I've been running this race without even knowing why I'm running, you know. So that's when I said, I don't have to do this. And uh, this Mm. is a 21-year-old kid who is trying to like... uh, Uh, trying to make his thoughts clear about saying what is what are you going to do so i mean i was just sitting there and looking at myself in the mirror like like a proper uh cinematic shot of like just looking in the mirror washing your face and you're looking and you're like i don't like this you know and uh, the picture of dorian gray kind of thing you know so you kind of look at it and you're like "Mm, no this is not what i wanted so i threw an open house and i gave away everything that i had that won't fit into a backpack so uh, Nor like I had like a lot of things to give, but all my friends came over the weekend, picked up everything,
2: hmm.
1: uh, and everything that I owned fit into a back- backpack at that time. I think so that your was the most. Friends were pretty. Yeah. Uh, like nobody tried to
2: talk you out of it or anything. They just came. Jo le <laughs> yeah, yeah. So really
1: what?
2: What
0: did your friends get? Yeah?
1: Like, so a lot of books were there. Okay. Uh, they so got, put uh, that
0: aside. Okay. What else?
1: PlayStation. Okay.
0: Uh, now we're talking.
1: My yeah, my uh, cricket kit bag, the entire kit Oh my I God. Oh. So that they got. Okay. And then, um, like, I mean, obviously I didn't have any of this other materialistic thing, like the sofa, the TV and all was my flatmates. So okay. he was the, the, the nice guy who would do, do, do all of that. Okay. So uh, I think these are the biggest ones. Uh, and I, I really loved this idea of living out of a backpack, you know, right. the concept of just being so minimalistic in the sense where just get whatever you want hmm. and just keep it limited. What's the point of splurging it so much? And that gave me this freedom of saying, so now if I have to leave this house, all I have to do is take this backpack and walk away. Mm. And wherever I open this backpack and spread it out, that becomes home. So I love that concept. So I was like, I'm going to do this. And, uh, uh, right. I didn't have too much savings also in my account at that time because startup, the lot of uh, early stages of startup, right? So a lot of money that was getting burnt in yeah. building everything and everything. Mm. So I anyway, spent the next one month, uh, like handing over my duties to other people and all. So I was trying to figure out what I'm going to do. So this is when a friend of mine uh, who works in Tripoto. Mm. So basically, Himani, Mm. like I told her, like, I I want to ride around the world. So she said, you know what, I can write an article about this and see uh, what, what comes out of it, you know, so I was like, cool, man, I'll give an interview. So she's asking, what do you want to do? And I, I said, Oh, I want to ride around the world on a motorcycle. That's the plan. I quit my startup and everything. So she kept asking how many countries you want to do, and this is on a Sunday, and oh. I was watching MotoGP on the TV. So I said, uh, I'm a huge fan of Valentino Rossi. So looking at Rossi in the screen, I said, Oh, 46 countries. So the next day morning, there came an article on Tripoto which said uh, Indian guy quits his startup and is traveling across 46 countries. She didn't say going to travel or is planning to travel. She said is traveling across 46 countries on a motorcycle. No okay, way. this is when I didn't even have an Instagram page for myself. So this article came out and it became crazy viral. Like it got like a million view on it. Hmm. So looking at this, uh, Wrangler called me uh, because a couple of my friends were working there. So they put the word across to their their relevant teams and everything. So they called the apparel company and said, you know what? Like you're good at PR. You're good at like marketing yourself and everything. So why don't you, you know, uh, we'll give you apparels and stuff. Why don't you take it out and um, wear it and click pictures and stuff. Give us social media content. I'm talking about 2016, like, January 2016. That's nice. Oh. Yeah. So I was like, wow, you can make money out of this. And people were like paying for it. And you can just go and write. Great. Yeah. So why don't I go and talk to a few more brands? And that's how I called Ustra and uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> Wicked right basically. So I use the rule of thumb, like the three rules that uh, food, uh, stay and uh, travel huh. is the spending that I'm going to do. Oh. So, obviously, the travel part, what I told myself is, uh, I need a company that is just going to pay me for my fuel. Hmm. So, Bangalore, there was a company called Wicked Ride, which was a bike rental company. Hmm. So, they said, we'll pay you, like, what, maximum 10,000 rupees a month at the max. So, we hmm. don't mind paying you that. So, hmm. that was taken care of aside. And the rest of the money was for food, whatever uh, uh, Wrangler was giving and Ustra was giving and everything and stay, basically. Hmm. So, at this time, I didn't even have a bike apart from the RX. Hmm. So... I said, okay, I'll go. Then, with all of this, I basically paid the down payment for my Royal Enfield Desert Storm 500, okay. and uh, picked it up, and like rode, rode, did the running in, and everything. And then I was setting off from Chennai, basically mm-hmm. on uh, January 15th, 2016, is when I started.
0: The Biker Radio Broadcast. Listen. Connect.
1: Ride on.
0: So January 15, 2016 is an important day for Rohit and this will be a recurring date along this episode and he'll do a final reveal of its significance on his documentary, which still remains unnamed. The biker radio broadcast meantime has seen its global figures grow real crazy. We now have listeners across the world and a significant number of them are in the United States. In fact, we're close to a significant milestone ourselves, but I'll save that for later and turn instead to welcome our new listeners and tell you a little about the Biker Radio Broadcast. Firstly, it's called a broadcast because Hot rods aside, I believe that podcasts are really radio on demand, and so the ROD kinda tries to pay homage to radio, which is my erstwhile stomping rounds. The show revolves around The Long Way Home, which is the interview with a rider or a community member. bringing together stories from their experience in motorcycling to you who are consistently making time to listen in and thank you for that we have a couple of breaks one's called my way where we break away and listen in from someone who sent us an audio postcard from their road trip the other one is called soundboard which is the sound advice that comes from our experts who feature on it the Biker Radio podcast itself is conceived and produced by Soundboard Media. Who are the experts, if you're interested, in sound advice? I'm Shandy and let's get back on the long way home with Rohit Subramanian talking on touring on his brand new desert storm on January 15th, circa 2016.
1: Hi, this is Rohit Subramanian. AKA Ms. Vidmagalini. And you're on Long Way home. Long Way home. Long Way home. January 15th, 2016 is when I started. So I started from Chennai. I went all over India. There was no rule like saying that I'll be the fastest Indian to ride from X, Y to second thing or the youngest Indian to cover all the states in India and all of this. I, I really didn't think about anything. Right. So I said, I want to chill. I want to ride. Okay. So, so I'm going to go on an eight month ride and figure life out. As a kid, I always wanted to do different jobs. So I want to be a waiter. I want to be a chaiwala. I want to be a truck cleaner. I want to be a farmer. I want to be a vada pavala. wala. I want to sell ice creams on that cart. So in this trip, what I told myself is every state I go, I should pick up one new job and do it. And um, the first thing was in Tamil Nadu was selling ice cream. And like as a kid, you know, I was always curious, how can someone have so many ice cream in front of you and not eat it? Good question. Girl. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh. So I went to one guy who was selling ice cream on one street. And I told him, listen, you take my bike key, you chill under this tree. I'll go around and sell your ice cream and come back and give you the money. Okay. Huh. He said, cool. He took my phone also because he was like not trusting me with my bike and everything. He thought all of that is stolen. Yeah. So he took my <laughs> phone also. <laughs> so I took his ice cream Fair cart enough, and yeah. went around like for the whole for the whole day. Huh. And uh, like the biggest question there was, I, I know I can sell ice cream to people. That's the easiest part. How many ice cream would I have hmm. if I have a cart for myself the whole day. Yeah. Then went to Kerala. I was working in a parota shop mm. uh, where that guy was help. Like I was serving people in the restaurant. Mm. This guy didn't believe me. He said, you have such fancy bike and all, you have Royal Enfield, huh. why would you want to work here? Huh. So I said, man, but I really want to work. So then he said, okay, cool. Give me hundred rupees every day and work here. <laughs> so I have to pay him hundred rupees a day to work in his shop. Okay. At the end of the third day, he gave me the 300 rupees back, right. obviously. Achcha, but uh, he did yeah yeah so I kind of understood that that was his trick that's why like I said okay cool I'll give you 100 rupees a day sort of thing it was fun then I worked um, like I was in the highways one day I met one um, truck driver and then I asked him can I just help you in the truck can I clean your truck and all of that he Mm. said yeah okay sure come so I parked my bike in on highway Daba and I just left everything went with him for like one four days just randomly going in Madhya Pradesh and every day I wake up I used to clean the truck and everything then we used to sleep in the Daba in the night and then restart the day again so that was like one other experience so basically every state i went i did something or the other like this so that was one of the things that i wanted to do which oh, i did oh. and the other one was um, try avoiding to stay in hotels basically right. because i always felt sleeping in a hotel is uh, shutting yourself from what the city or the place has to offer and mm. i was also not like this really crazy person about uh, a monumental thing if you say that uh, if you've come to tell you you have to go and see uh, go to agra and see taj mahal you know mm. um uh, so I was more about there is a local Chole Budra shop mm. in Delhi. Mm. And you go there and have Choli Budara because you haven't you have a story with that as a person. Like if I'm coming with you, you have a personal connect with that place and you have a childhood story or any story with that particular place. Mm. So I was more interested in that. So I want to spend more time with the locals at that time. So I said I'll stay with people who I meet on the way or like anywhere, like by now Instagram has got some followers, Facebook has got some followers and everything. Mm. So I'll put if people want to host me, let them host. Uh, to my surprise, I was traveling across the country for close to seven, eight months. And every day I had someone who or the other who was hosting me. And uh, the days I didn't find a place someone was hosting me, I went and stayed in petrol pump, ATM, and all of that to just sleep there. It was fun. So Sleep in an ATM? Because you have air condition. So Dude, you pay that You, you pay so, that. Uh, so watchman, do you carry a
0: mattress or something? Or how, what do you
1: just... No, I had a, um, the sleeping mat sort of thing. Okay. So, I put that and put a blanket on top of me and pass okay. out. Okay. So, yeah. So, it was good fun. So, you um, pay the
2: watchman and you can sleep, is it?
1: Yeah. It, it's a very common thing. Like, it depends on which part of the country you are in. Okay. Wow. So, Do you dream money when you sleep in an ATM? No, I didn't. Okay. I was very happy that there was air condition <laughs> from Gujarat and stuff. You have dabas. So, you can sleep there in the night anyway. Right. Right and you don't have to pay anything you just eat your dinner and you pass out and they don't say anything so it was good fun to like do that trip and yeah that was the indian trip that was the beginning of everything i think
0: the biker radio broadcast listen connect Ride on Yeah, so the highway culture changes quite a bit as soon as you're north of the Vindhya's in India. Sleeping under the stars on Char for free with a fully functional F&B service is an experience to savor. Well, it might not be the most comfortable solution for everyone, but that's the Indian equivalent of the trucker's stop. It's a bring-your-own-toilet-paper experience though. Many of you might be considering riding beyond India in different countries and a great way to not have to travel through the neighboring badlands is what Rohit Subramanian shares with us next. By the way, Southeast Asia, namely Myanmar, Thailand, Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam, these are all pretty doable tours even on a budget. And while you're getting ready for when you're going to ride out, the road through the northeast is worth checking out on your maps. Right now, back to Rohit Subramanian, to when the international travel starts.
1: Hi, this is Rohit Subramanian, Rohit 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 aka Mr. Madhu, and you're on Long, Long, way, home. Long, way, home. Long way Home. Then uh, everyone was asking what are you going to do next and everything, I didn't know what to do. So, I wanted to go to Southeast Asia, ride around all of this country, but not like in my own bike. So, I don't know if you guys know MTM, Motorcycle Travellers Meet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Santosh. Santosh, So, Santosh, who runs MTM, and he gave me the Santosh and Pankaj Tiwari Okay. So, I always kept thinking, if I have to go outside India, I have to take my bike and go. Mm. But Pankaj had gone around Southeast Asia and different bikes. So, he said, you can just go to a country, pick up a bike, ride it, sell it, and then go ahead. And... uh, Santor said, taking an Indian bike doesn't make sense because you have to pay carne, you have to do all of this. It's too much of pain. Instead, you can just go to a country, pick up a bike and figure your way out. I was like, wow, I never thought like this. That was like opening up too many avenues for me. So I started Southeast Asia. So I went to Singapore first. Singapore is smaller than Chennai, which I didn't know, obviously, because zero geography. Mm. (laughs) So no research. (laughs) I rented a bike there for uh, three days. And uh, within two hours, the whole Singapore is done. <laughs> because that's all you can ride in Singapore. <laughs> it's it's less than sixty square kilometers at the end of the day. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what happened. Like how I found out Singapore is done. So I was riding around Singapore and suddenly I saw one huge traffic line, like on big queue of like all the cars and bikes uh, standing. And I can see like one toll gate kind of thing. So I'm like, oh, cool! Some major toll gate. After this is expressway, then we can yeah. ride around. And all of that.
0: So, Hello, Malaysia.
1: Like, yeah. <laughs> So 10 minutes into the line, I'm like, this is not moving. So I asked one guy next to me, uh, I'm like, what is this line for? It's like this is to go to Malaysia. (laughs) I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) And the guy rental guy told me very clearly that if you take a Singaporean bike to Malaysia without the required documents and everything, they charge you per minute. Yes. Being per kilometer, whatever that is in the highway. Uh, I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm standing right in the middle of that whole mess.
0: (laughs) And you can't turn around, right?
1: You can't. uh, I mean, you can turn around. You can get out of it. You can? but Yeah, you can. You can. 100%. Okay. Yeah. So, I I slightly like, like pretending as if like, oh, shit, I forgot something. And I'm like, okay, give me (laughs) somewhere, give me somewhere. I got out. Then I realized this like 10 kilometers from here is the starting point where I started this ride like two hours ago. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, shit, Singapore is done. (laughs) So, Um, you obviously
2: don't use any kind of GPS also. Device?
1: No, I don't because in no in India, like, I mean, for the longest time, I don't because there was no point. Like, I don't know where I'm going in the first place. Huh, okay. Huh. Half the day was like flipping the coin and say heads or tails. If it's heads go north, tails go south. Okay. Or east or west, depending on that. Huh. Because depends on where you're facing at that moment. Yeah. And the thing is there is no there is no plan anywhere. There is no itinerary. There's no agenda. Mm. You know. There is mm. there is not like a to do list of saying, Today I'll go and see this particular thing or yeah. this, meet this but per- if, if you have to meet someone then I plan it around that. Mm. But till then there is nothing, it's just loafering, like little. it's a very cool Bangalore word, loafer. Oh. So like loafering around everywhere. Oh. So that's the plan. So that's how I used to go, just like that. So that was Singapore. Then came to uh, indonesia i took a ferry to indonesia and everything Okay. and i entered en- entered indonesia and uh, took a taxi went to this like some small island batam and uh, the currency in indonesia is so confusing it's uh, rupiah. it starts in rupiah but the denominations are pretty high okay. so i was bargaining <laughs> with a taxi guy to overpay him so he was asking me say for one hundred thousand 000 rupiah. but i'm telling him if if you're not taking 1 million i'm not leaving this place <laughs> <laughs> because it was just too many numbers and a super old because <laughs> singapore was very easy in terms mm. of currency and money it was all simple mm. you know mm. coming to this place like i withdrew like i said i want to withdraw hundred dollars from the atm and i got like a stash of money <laughs> so i'm like what am i going to do and suddenly i felt rich And uh, I called my mom and said, you know what, being a millionaire or a billionaire is very respective to which country you belong to. (laughs) Because the amount of money that I have right now in in this country, I think with the the looks of it, I have so much money. (laughs) So which is a cool thing. (laughs) The value of it didn't matter to me. So so your backpack kind of filled up. Yeah, backpack filled with like all money, basically. And... uh, (laughs) So, So, I started riding in Indonesia after that for like a month and then went to Malaysia, flew down to Malaysia. That that was the second flight that I took. What Uh, bike was this? I was riding uh, the Honda. So, you you,
2: uh, hired a bike in Indonesia? I bought a bike. You bought a bike in Indonesia?
1: In Jakarta and then I told that guy I'll come and drop it back. Then it was like one of those deals where he's like, you come, I'll give you like a 20% depreciation thing depending on how the condition is and everything. Okay. So, it worked out. And how long were you there? One month. It was anyway like not that expensive to Mm. begin with so i mean but imagine if i would have rented it i would have paid that Ah, entire bike's cost for the rental cost so it it is a fair trade at the end of the day right yeah so then came to malaysia i had a friend's bike so i rode around in that in malaysia then went to thailand then entered uh, vietnam Mm. so vietnam was great because uh, you can buy your bike in vietnam then you can ride to cambodia you can go to laos Mm. and you can sell the bike in laos and you're done you know mm-hmm. so no problem and vietnam had a really cool concept where you have this um, uh, it, it's called i think the green book or the yellow book or the orange book i forgot okay, okay. whatever okay. it's the it's the rc book of your bike okay mm. so they have this um, honda win 125 cc bikes that's what everyone rides there mm-hmm. okay uh-huh. and the thing is you might have you might have bought this bike paying money to someone but if i have this book the bike is mine And uh, that bike costed $200. So, I rode around Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos for like three and a half, four months, I think. And then I sold the bike for $250 in Laos. (laughs) So, see, entrepreneurship exists. (laughs) It just comes a little later. (laughs) But it happens slowly. So, that covered up for that um, 20% depreciation. Not true. It
0: comes up very early.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then I said, cool, I'm going back home. So I came back to India. Then um, I started riding towards uh, Nepal from Bangalore. Okay. And uh, I started riding from Bangalore uh, on the day demonetization was announced. (laughs) (laughs) So the backpack was Kali now? Like dead empty. Like or I had stuff which is not of any use at all. Right. right? Carry on. (laughs) Carrying dead weight. (laughs) What so, dead weight? No weight. <laughs> no weight. Exactly. Weightlessness. Correct. The the thoughtless thought state. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, I had like somehow managed to go to the UP border. Gorakhpur. Is it? Right. I forgot. But yeah, right. that border towards Nepal. Okay. Right. Basically, you cross the border. Hmm. And then I was like, I'll fill full tank here. Spend all the Indian currency here. So that I can go there and withdraw money. So, obviously, I fill full tank in India. Hmm. I go do the paperwork and everything. Get the thing. And I enter Nepal somehow so and I'm like oh now the whole country is chilling without any money here I am will be like full rich like I can withdraw how much ever I want and spend how much ever I want in Nepal and I go to the first ATM before going to the ATM I stayed in a hotel that day so I stayed in a hotel and next day I was supposed to go to Kathmandu enough to a friend's house okay Uh, okay. so I stayed in the hotel and I take my card out and I see behind my card it's a HDFC card and it says not for foreign transactions in Nepal and Bhutan okay (laughs) I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> I've had this card, card all my life and I haven't seen this and today I see this that was uh, written in such small font. Okay. Mm. So I didn't know what to do. So somehow I ran down to an ATM and there, thankfully because the border town, they had a SBI ATM there. Mm. So I went and withdrew. So then I realized it's not for foreign transactions or something. That's very different from withdrawing money from Nepal and Bhutan so you can withdraw. Huh, so I was okay. like, thank God, heart attack is over. Oh. Had a peaceful night of sleep. Next day I wake up. And... I take my bike and I start the bike and I get out to go to Kathmandu and there's like a barricade and there's like few cops standing. They uh, stop me. They take the bike key and they tell me that there's a protest that's happening in Nepal right now. Oh. So you can't go. So nobody is allowed to ride for the next three days or something. We don't yeah. know how long the protest is going to go for. So you can't ride. Okay. I'm telling you more that you can't ride because you have an Indian number plate. So people can just throw stones at you and everything. So we don't want to risk anything. Oh. So go back to wherever you so Okay, cool. I went back to the hotel. The hotel was also shut. Okay. So the whole place is abandoned. Like there's nobody on the roads. All the hotels were shut. Yeah. Full lockdown. Uh. Okay. So I didn't know what to do now. So obviously I was going and then I asked this cop. He pointed at a place and I said, okay, cool. I'll go there. So that guy said, but uh, you come and check the room. Okay. And there were a lot of girls around there and everything. So I walk around. Hmm. Then I realized it's a brothel. Okay. (laughs) Okay. 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 So the only place that's open is a brothel in the whole town and nothing else is open. Okay. So if you have to stay, I have to stay in a brothel. So now comes the negotiation part of the thing. He says, if you have to use our services, then you have to pay the services cost. Yeah. You don't have to pay the room cost. Right. Okay. But if you have to use the room without the service, you have to pay double the price. Double Uh. the price? Yeah. I mean, he started there, then he went down. So I negotiated him saying that, okay, man, we'll pay you 1.5 of whatever we agreed on. Hmm. And then I stayed there for like three days. Basically, then oh. the band got over. Achai. Then headed off to Kathmandu. Oh. So then Mustang happened. The whole yeah. Eight minute, doing. eight minute. Just just ah. a
0: minute. So you're in Kathmandu. You know, you wake up in the morning and say, "Let's do Mustang."
1: Yeah, because um, I went to Nepal uh, to Kathmandu because my college mate was there, and he always kept telling everyone in our class saying that, "Man, you should come." Ah. Uh, then, like when I came, he was extremely overwhelmed because um, he was like, "Dude." I never thought someone would come on a motorcycle from Chennai to like the other end of India to come and meet me. So, we spent like a few days there. His mom made me like one full bucket full of Momos to oh. eat and everything. So, like good family time and everything. So, then I said, I want to go to Pokhara. So, I went to Pokhara and then from Pokhara, the obvious choice was Mustang. So, I met uh, a New Zealand driver, a rider who was riding a DR650. His name is Joe.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, so, Joe and I started riding and Joe was very fascinated by the Royal Enfield. Mm. I was fascinated by the DR650 even now I'm fascinated by the DR650 so we both started riding together and uh, by end of this trip I had come down like we finished um, the whole of Mustang we spent like six seven days there and I came back and um, he was continuing a little further he wanted okay. to spend some more time there and then come back but uh, I had come down to Kathmandu and this is around New Christmas time okay and uh, I get a message from Joe saying that, man, I, I love riding the Royal Enfield. I just bought a second-hand Royal Enfield in New Zealand, like my brother <laughs> is speaking up from tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Tomorrow. I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Talk, talk about real life influencing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah. then I came back via the Siliguri border Yeah. and then entered Bhutan from mm. this side, okay. spent some time in Bhutan and everything, and then came back to India.
0: The Biker Radio Broadcast, listen, connect, ride right on. Welcome back on The Long Way Home. This is Rohit Subramanian on his experience traveling through Southeast Asia. Well, we're traveling eastward ourselves to the Eastern Ghats, where our friend and very enthusiastic participant from Hyderabad is traveling to with his brother. This is Sai Teja on my way. My way.
4: Hi, uh, my name is Sai Teja aka Gumakat Babu I'm on a ride with my brother into the eastern Ghats of uh, Andhra Pradesh uh, Predominantly uh, Visakpatnam district uh, We have been through this place called Dallapalli Which is about 17 kilometers from Paderu You get to have a camp stay on the hilltop You need to climb a couple of uh, thousand feet uh, above mean sea level to reach the hilltop The view in the morning is spectacular when you are able to see adjacent mountains and um, clouds uh, floating around. The temperatures in that place drop really low compared to the other places in Andhra Pradesh. For a South Indian like me, that kind of temperature is quite chilling and uh, shivering. It it was about uh, 5 degrees Celsius last night. Food and water is not available in the place, Uh, you have to get it from a nearby town called Paderu and uh, you can have your dinner or uh, breakfast of packed food from that place. Sunrise on that hill is so beautiful and mesmerizing, coming through the orange clouds and making it look like a beautiful wallpaper. Right now I am near this place called Pet beach, which is about 17 kilometers from Tuni, which is uh, the border for East Godavari district and uh, Visakhapatnam district. This beach is famous for the beach bridge. The beach has been well maintained and is free from any form of littering till the eye can see. I think it's a must-visit place and an underrated place around the East Godavari district. Sai Teja and you're listening to the Biker Radio ROT
0: My way the Biker Radio Broadcast. Listen. Connect. Ride on. Thanks, Sai. This is the first time someone has sent us a a road report from the Eastern Ghats and thank you for that. Like Sai, you too can send us an audio postcard uh, by recording your experience while you're on that road trip and sending the audio file to 8920276675. That number once again, 8920276675. And on location recording gives us a great original audio. Something that we really enjoy. Uh, we could hear the sea on Saiti My Way. Well, to know more about how you can participate, get on our website at bikeradiorodcast.com. Well, it'll not be fair if I did not mention that Hyderabad is our second most popular listener base. Like the hyderabadi bolna Hyderabad baba. Okay, till now, you've learned how you can travel through Southeast Asia, buy or rent a motorcycle to get around and get back, Europe, too, has a travel hack. So if you're ready, here comes the hot
1: step. Hi, this is Rohit Subramanian, aka Misfit Magal, and you're on Long Way Home. So now I'm thinking what to do next, and uh, I'm like, okay, Europe, it's summer also, it's I went to Spain. I had a friend who um, could buy a bike there and he can give me like a power of a Tani sort of letter okay. saying I can ride the bike wherever I want. So that was pretty sorted. Okay. And, and it works like was, that in Spain. Huh? You can actually. All over Europe. It's That's the thing. There is no okay. thing. But you need to find someone who can do that so for you. So a
2: local person can buy a bike for you or buy a bike in his name and then Correct. transfer it to.
0: Let you ride it.
1: Let you write it. Let me write it with like one uh, letter which says that. Okay. Uh, if any damages, anything that's going to happen, uh-huh. I take, like the rider takes the full responsibility and everything. Oh, okay. So
2: oh, you were still, resp- you were responsible. I was responsible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, okay.
1: At least that's the agreement between me and the friend. So right, okay. it worked out,
2: but it's
1: a little difficult to find someone who let you do that. Right. Because it must difficult. be a really good friend that you haven't spared. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't met him, man. I hadn't met him before this trip. So I met him just when I went there. So I just spoke to him on the phone and he said, yeah, man, sure, come off. Okay. No problem. Okay. So in Barcelona, this happened, and then from there, uh, I bought a roll and Field standard 500 there. there, and then yeah, okay. there, and then started riding that. Wow! Ac- across Europe, so that was uh, close to 20 ish countries in 120 days, just riding around different parts of Europe. Hmm. Then went to UK, spent some time there, had a lot of friends in UK. So by now, have built friends all around this place because Southeast Asia, you had a lot of Europeans who uh-huh. had come. Mm. So, I had met a lot of people. So, they all said, mm. like, whenever you come to Europe, come and stay in our place and everything. So, that was, like, amazing, you right. know. Mm. So, one so, of the so most interesting… So, take us through Spain then. Oh, Spain, Portugal. Came back to Spain, France. Uh, I met with an accident in France. Basically, we were going back to the house and um, the there was, like, this cycle divider, cycle lane dividers, mm. which you can't see because it's not reflective in the night. Uh-huh. So, I was going close to the edge of the road and taking a corner. I hit this and I fell down. So, <laughs> it's really funny. When you I can't it.
0: believe they also have these kind of
1: dividers which you can't see. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it, that too in like Paris, like uh, very yeah, close Unbelievable. The, eh? This is a global a, phenomenon. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I didn't want to think about all of that. I suddenly like, I'm like, oh, shit, this is real. I can fall down and all. I can meet with accidents <laughs> and yeah. all of that. So, I was like very uh, like in that zone. I'm like, okay, cool. What, what about the trip now? But then I said, I'm going to ride anyway. So, mm-hmm. Then from France, I went to Belgium. And then from Belgium, I came back towards this side, towards Germany. Germany, Poland, Austria, Slovenia, Hungary, Slovakia, Croatia, Italy, all of this. And then went up to Denmark, Sweden, Norway, and then came down to Netherlands and then went to uh, UK. From, right. Like all across UK. So from London, I went to uh, Scotland, Scotland to Ireland, Ireland to Wales, and then back to London. So On that the was... the Royal Enfield Wales. 500. Yeah, 500. Shipped my bike to Spain, gave it back to the friend, uh, so he sold it and uh, we split the profit and then done. You
2: know, actually, we've been talking for a couple of hours almost, Magellan hasn't figured. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because we haven't gone to South America yet. Ah. <laughs>
0: so but we, you you cross Portugal.
1: We, we crossed Portugal. I was about to say, we cross Spain and Portugal, but uh, yeah, the Magellan Strait is in South America. Correct. The, the thing that he discovered. Is the tailbone. The tailbone, the tierra del go after that is that stretch, basically. Yes. So, 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 okay. So the southern
0: tip of South America, since yeah. you are not going to be able to explain
1: the geography here. <laughs> <laughs> Ushuaia, that's where the world ends or begins, yeah. depending on how you see it. Yeah. 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 No, I, I can explain geography very clearly once I've been there. <laughs> uh. <laughs> now you ask me where to go in Ushuaia, I'll tell you direction sitting here. Tell me where to uh. go in Ushuaia. So Ushuaia has like a couple of really cool places. There's a nice casino where you can go and like, because that's the last city, people don't know what to do. They'll just go and gamble. So that's one. Apart from that, there are a couple of really amazing, amazing, amazing steakhouses. Mm. So it's a very small town. There's nothing much to do uh, because it's the gateway for Antarctica and all of this. So people just come there. Everyone wants to come and click that picture and that sign saying that we are in the Tierra Del Fugo, the, the land of fire, the last town in the world. So that's how
0: the biker radio broadcast. Listen, connect, ride on. And so finally, we are all set to travel to the Americas, and the more exotic of the two Americas is obviously South America. Rohit planned to travel through South America and live there for two years and make a documentary with his filmmaker conscript in Sukesh Vishwanathan, a filmmaker he buddied up with. Uh, for the trip. I've been following Rohit and Sukesh around uh, South America for a little over a year. And every time we spoke, I was very keen to get him to share his experience in short, my ways from the road. And Rohit always kept his word.
1: Hi, this is Rohit Subramanian, Rohit Subramanian AKA Mr. Maglin, Mr. and you're on the long way home. I had a choice between Africa and uh, South America. And for some reason I want to do South America. I don't know why, So, but, where, where uh, is this
2: choice coming from, as in... My own head. Okay. Do you have a, a, a world map uh, in front of you, or do you just have these names?
1: Names. Yeah, just so these world names. World yeah, I mean, world map and all is a little difficult for me to figure. Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. And do you so, own a mint? Yeah, uh, no, I get paid by brands. Like, when Wrangler started back then, as I told you, from the beard oil to the engine oil, the journey was always supported by some brand or the other. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. So the the money part was always sponsored by one brand or the other, for which I was creating content for them. Right. Okay. So so I build ca- campaigns and stuff for brands, basically. That's how I get paid. Uh, I was thinking of doing South America, but earliest memory of South America is uh, Che Guevara Motorcycle Diaries. Okay. okay. For my tenth birthday, my dad gifted that book and said, you know, read it. It's nice. I read it and I'm like, wow, it's really cool, man. I really want to do it sometime. But um, never thought about it. So Che Gwara, obviously, we all know from the T-shirt and everything. Hmm. But for me, Motorcycle Diaries was a big part growing up. I was okay. like, if I ever get a chance to ride a motorcycle. And I, I, I was always believed in my head that maybe at such a young age, I read that book. I always wanted to travel like that, you know, hmm. without maps, just randomly going, uh, just figuring life out. When you say South America, che- Motorcycle Diaries has come. So that's two people. So I don't want to ride alone. Mm. And also, all these years, I've created content, but it was not like content which which I was very happy about. It was okay. Like You're for okay. the money that I was getting, I was getting content. Brand was getting content. Everyone was happy. But uh. I want to do something more. So I want to do a documentary, basically. So mm. I had met this guy called Sukesh Vishwanathan, who I met in um, a Castrol shoot in 2017, before going to Europe. trip. Okay. Okay. So and we just briefly met. And for some reason, I told him when I was in Bombay after the shoot that, uh, man, it'll be good if we go on a trip together, road trip together, because he's also into bikes and stuff. Mm. So we we gelled well. I was from Chennai. He was from OT. So we bonded quite well. So he said, uh, no, man, my vision and my life direction is very different now. I want to focus on like, you know, working in this company that I'm working right now and build this pretty Mm. big. So let's see if something works out, works out. So Anyway, I went to caravan and everything, and he came and shot the ca- one episode for the caravan trip. Okay. So one video he shot for us. So all of that happened in the sites. So anyway, uh, one fine day I pick up my phone and I call this guy and I say that, "Hey man, uh, what's up? What's happening?" He's like, "Nothing, dude. Just back working and everything." So I was like, "Do you want to like come on this motorcycle trip across South America together with me?" So he said, "Okay, sure, I don't mind." But he said, "I, I want to take some time and think about it." So he took some time he was on the verge of quitting his job anyway. So he quit his job and uh, he said, sure, now I have like a break anyway from everything. So I don't mind coming with you. Mm-hmm. So that's how that trip started. And I had met Sukesh three or four times before we went on this trip together. Okay, So that's how we were like pretty much strangers. So we had no clue who the other person was. Like we, we knew right. the personality, we knew that we will gel along well, there's not going to be any differences per se. Right. But uh, we didn't know the characteristics, what traits that the other person will have and everything. So right. no backstories and stuff like well. that. Right. So,
2: so, hence, so, on, yeah. so in your opinion, what are the kind of uh, qualities that should match with somebody that you want to travel with?
1: Uh, nothing. It's just the, the vibe that you hang around. I don't know how to put that into words. I don't have a s- specific set of saying this guy has to ride this way. So occasionally I've never ridden b- a bike together huh. till we went to South America. Huh. So we don't even know how... Will be compatible riding two motorcycles, hmm. okay? And um, I didn't know uh, all of that, but I kind of felt that he was complementing everything that I was not bringing into the table. Like I was good at selling, but Sukesh was really good at filming, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was something that worked, and uh, it was one of those things where you know that you meet someone, you know that this person will be a friend for the rest of your life, you mm-hmm. know. So mm-hmm. Sukesh was one such person. So that's how we um, connected, and mm-hmm. uh, so we have told the whole world that man. We're going to go to South America and everything. So everyone was like, wow, so cool. Motorcycle Diaries Part 2 and everything. Mm. But no brand was putting money. Okay. So people have, brands are like, it's happening, it's happening. But no money was coming. Mm. Sukesh is also waiting because he's quit his job. He's also waiting. He has no savings now because he's quit everything. And uh, he has an EMI for his bike to pay. Mm. So so we were uh, waiting. And then uh, every day there were like this few annoying friends of yours who... Um, want to rub it on your face, no? so they call you and say, oh, so you're still in India, what? Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, man, yeah. not gone yet and everything. Right. So I got fed up of this. So I called him and said, listen, today is uh, Saturday. Uh-huh. Monday morning, we're leaving to New York. Okay. I have a friend place, Suresh, Suresh Radhakrishnan. Hmm. He will host us however long we want. We'll stay in his house, figure out brands from there. Okay. If nothing works out, hmm. I say that I broke my arm or I broke my leg uh, and I had credit card so i could book my tickets so we booked the tickets and literally he had to come on sunday midnight Uh so monday early morning i met him and then we just sorted out insurance and everything and then like monday afternoon like we went to the airport and boarded the flight and went to new york Hmm. that's how impromptu it was so kesh was carrying like all the camera stuff and everything so two big suitcases of luggage and everything Hmm. for me nothing one small backpack which is smaller than your laptop bag is all i was carrying Hmm. Hmm. okay so cool so we left we went to new york figured out something uh castrol came on board sponsors happened hmm. like cool time to go to south america uh,
0: so just at the beginning
1: of the trip you you bought two motorcycles then? yes yes we bought two motorcycles in colombia you can buy a motorcycle with um, without being a resident of colombia on your own name so we bought the bikes on our name Ah, And uh, in Argentina, you can't do that, but you can sell it to a fellow traveler and you can do something called Poder. Poder is like the power of Atani, basically. Mm. So took the first flight to South America from New York to Colombia and then started riding from Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, together. And we did the documentary together. So this was for six months. Mm -hmm. From January, we started riding. January 15th, we rode. Again,
2: again. the date figures again.
1: Yeah. And the date also has a significance in between all of this. Sankranti. No, no. <laughs> yeah, Sankranti definitely. But uh, 2018 something happened and that was very relevant to the documentary. You need to see the documentary because that's a very, very big reveal. I can't tell you. So that date is very, very close to my heart overall. Okay. So we started riding again in January. And, uh, so where do you start? Uh, in uh, Medellin. Medellin. Okay. So the Medellin. plan was to ride two bikes from Colombia, Ecuador and Peru. And along the way, document untold human story. So We met four interesting characters and we documented their life and their story. But the bigger theme of this documentary is about how these two people who are complete strangers in the beginning of the trip, but at the end of the trip are like brothers for life and how contrasting these two people are and how the journey happened. Mm -hmm. So, like, for example, Sukesh is a guy who has to eat three meals a day. Mm. Okay. I can survive on one meal a day Mm. and I usually have one meal a day. Sukesh needs to get, like, good sleep for him to work good. Me, uh, on the other hand, I don't care. I either sleep for 22 hours a day or I sleep for three hours a day. Mm. Okay. He has to take And you can sleep shower. on a
2: bus that's going up the mountainside. Correct.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sukesh um, uh, has to take down. shower two times a day. For me, if it rains, I'll take shower. Sukesh has to wash his bike every day. For me, rain takes care of that also. Okay. So, I'm like this. Sukesh is textbook good guy. Okay. Mm. Uh, and yeah, he's I'm sure very, he has very very a
2: hot water bath also.
1: Yeah. <laughs> me, on the other hand, I'm like exact opposite of that. So, it was, it was good fun. The documentary is coming out. Because of COVID, the whole post-production has been delayed. But we are on course. We're closer than ever. So, one more month, I think, it should be out, I guess. Okay. Okay. So, 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 yeah, so. yeah, that's that. And then, Sukesh left from Cusco. He comes from a production background. so yeah. For him, planning is everything. Yeah. Right? And then he's put up with me where I have no planning whatsoever. Yeah. Okay? I just let the universe do things and I just follow it. You know? So, at the end of the day, this this ideology of Like, all of this also rubbed off from each other. So, Sukesh, when he went back, he's like, you know, I'm going to do my next trip without planning much. That's how he went back, To But me, I I had to put some sort of thought into my trip. I had to put some sort of, um, you know, thinking before doing something later. So, it kind of worked out for the best. So, yeah, after Sukesh left, I did Bolivia, uh, Chile, uh, Argentina, then sold the bike in Argentina, and then flew down to Brazil. And then from Brazil, I came to India. And the four stories that we were doing in the documentary so one was about narco tourism and pablo escobar as a story by itself the drug trafficking is little less now mm. but this whole narco tourism has become a great thing right so mm-hmm. we met a girl and she was telling us a story saying when she used to go to school as a kid they used to play a game that is who saw the least amount of dead bodies on the way to school mm. so we were like what that's crazy that's how our quest to find out how this happened started so then she said, imagine the cause of this, all of this, one of your relative is dead because of this guy. And somehow that guy who killed all of these people is dead. But 15 years later, 20 years later, a television show comes up and the whole world starts going crazy about this guy as a fictional character. Right. Right. And mm. people are wearing narcos like Escobar T-shirts, naming your dog as Escobar. And this guy is a murderer. He was no less than what any other person in Germany at his peak did right mm-hmm. uh, in his own capacity so they're like how is this even possible mm-hmm. so that's how that story started then we had um, a, a baker who was traveling from spain um, across south america for 10 years now by selling sourdough breads all mm-hmm. over the place he was mm-hmm. an ex-tennis coach so that was one story then there's a cat and mouse game between the graffiti artist in bogota and uh, the the governor of Bogota. Mm. So that was another story that we were covering of how these guys were trying to capture the wall and it's mm. life and death sort of thing, but it's freedom of speech and expression for them. So that's yes. how that story goes. So this is what the documentary is all about. Like the smallest segments of the documentary is all about. There's three of them. What's the fourth? Three. The fourth one is basically a chess player. He uh, was uh, stabbed on a spine eight years ago mm-hmm. and um, he was a cobbler at that time. And uh, he was in excruciating pain. And one day he stumbled upon the game of chess because in Bogota, you play the game of chess in the middle of the streets, in the main square, mm. but with locals. So he realized that he forgot his pain while playing the game. And that's how every day of his life after that, he's been playing chess in this place for the past eight years, come what may. Oh. So that, So he beat the pain, his physical pain, by distracting his mind by playing the game of chess after the south america trip especially i've realized that there's good chance of just making what you want to make as a film or whatever without all the social media and everything and still make good amount of money out of it you know which can sustain your travel for the next five years six years or whatever so that's so the idea changed as a person yeah i mean uh i always felt uh social media was a tool for me to it was not the end and i can't define myself as an influencer instagram influencer i never could relate to that role anyway Mm-hmm. I was creating content and uh, eventually I had to progress from that. So the the day that I have to quit Instagram for good is not far away. So I'm just like, I have a couple of more pending brand stuff to finish. So once mm-hmm. I'm done, I'm done with uh, social media for good. So yeah, then oh, I forgot. So I was saying after Sukesh left in Peru, um, I worked in a coffee shop in Peru in Cusco because mm-hmm. I twisted my ankle. Oh. So I stayed a month in, in Cusco to make coffee. So then uh, I learned Spanish in um, in Colombia. Till then, we were like surviving with basic Spanish. You know, there's this line, I say that those uh, motos, dos amigos, viajando, todo mundo Suramérica America, eh, una año. So that basically means two motorcycles, two friends traveling around South America for one year. So whenever someone asks us a question, this like sings like a song from my mouth. Uh-huh. So, but after this stop, after my ankle twist, I... Was working in the coffee shop by the day there was an indian restaurant where i was helping them the okay. evening okay to chill with like familiar faces and languages because it's been close to by Sukesh left i think it was seven eight months from since i came back from home and this is the longest i've been away from home
0: and you're looking and for a masala dosa
1: i was looking for masala dosa yeah yeah there's there's no substitute for that filter coffee and masala dosa oh and the best part is my mom sends me filter coffee powder irrespective of which part of the world i am i know she- man that's amazing yeah like the last place that she sent coffee powder for me was in uh, Patagonia, so right? I was wow. camping across Patagonia for 120 days. Wow. Mm. So yeah, so that entire stretch was just amazing. I say like, okay, today I'll ride 300 kilometers, but I go 10 kilometers, and I'm like, fuck, I have to stay here. And um, you also had that. Um, you also have the two uh, founders of North Face and Patagonia, the companies. Uh-huh. So they have a foundation which. Uh, and they, so, basically, they, they technically are the highest land owners in the world, right? Oh, okay. So, those two guys own the maximum amount of wildlife in the world. So, they bought the entire stretch of land in the Patagonian stretch and made that into a national reserve yeah. and forest. Yeah. And you can hike around and stuff. Okay. So, in there, you can camp there. And camping there is free.
2: Oh.
1: And it was like five-star camping where like uh, full everything was there. Like there was shower... There was, like, a barbecue pit. Like, there was, like, everything, like, very, very professionally done. Mm-hmm. So, th- th- I mean, so I think one of the things what the founders, when they, so there is a documentary called 180 Degrees South. Mm-hmm. When, uh, how these two guys traveled in a camper van from U.S. to this side and um, found their calling, They were mountaineers by basic thing. And they said, we're creating all this outdoor company gears and everything. Mm-hmm. But if there's no outdoor, what are these go- people want to buy our products for hmm. so they want to preserve more of that so that's how the whole thing fit for them yeah, so okay. uh, yeah i spent a lot of time there and my mom sent the last filter coffee to that place
0: and you also did to my ways from the entire stretch we must thank you for that that was great
1: the most interesting thing that i did for you was the chili revolution that was happening oh yeah right i was stuck in middle of the revolution in santiago and i was doing that Right. That was, I think, the most interesting part that we spoke in the podcast. Right. Because I didn't have much to do anyway. I was just sitting in the house. There was tear gases all over the place. I couldn't step out of the room and anything. Hmm. So, yeah, that was good fun. The Biker Radio Broadcast. Listen. Connect.
0: Ride on. Locked up in a room last year around this time. You can hear Rohit Subramanian's My Way from Santiago in Chile. Uh, On our 47th episode, um, it was the one on uh, the Ace Cafe in London, which unfortunately is still locked down uh, due to the pandemic. And uh, well, it's the end of November right now and we're beginning to hear some rumblings of uh, news about the vaccine. Well, some of us, though, have taken the easing of the lockdown to get uh, their rides in shape and prepare to get out. The other Rohit, the toll-free traveler, was on a spectacular road trip uh, with the MTM guys on the Great Indian Road Trip or GRIT. If you're following uh, the toll-free traveler's blog, you'll see the spectacular video yourself. Right now, we've got Binil Varghese, our expert, who's also ready to get out on a ride and he's our soundboard. Over to you, Binil.
3: You are listening to the Biker Radio soundboard. soundboard, soundboard, soundboard. Hi, I'm Binil Varghese from leavetheroad.in, a blog about motorcycles, life and all in between. I will be your soundboard today on the Biker Radio broadcast. Today, we are talking about motorcycle travel during the pandemic. The pandemic is far from over. However, restrictions have been relaxed, keeping in mind the economy and maybe even the mental state of people. It is not exactly an easy job to stay cooped up indoors for such a long time. We motorcycles will see a surge in traveling and today I will talk about how to do it responsibly and safely. Wear a mask. This might be one of the easier things for a motorcycle traveler as most are already used to wearing a puff or a balaclava. A full face helmet provides added protection. Carry additional masks for use when you get off the motorcycle. If you are using disposable masks, ensure you do so responsibly. Stock up on sanitization essentials. Keep disposable tissues, alcohol-based sanitizer and gloves. You never know when you might need them, like when a sudden breeze brings in few sneezes and disposable tissues are called for. Hand sanitizers are necessary. Make it a habit to use alcohol-based sanitizers as and when needed. Few stops are inevitable. Ensure the pump operator is wearing a mask and maintain distance. If you decide to take a break on the road, look for a place which has less or no people to avoid any kind of human contact. Carry enough food and refreshments for the trip. This would help you avoid stopping at random restaurants or dhabas for food. If this is not possible, ensure the eatery you have stopped at follows sanitization protocols. Carry ample drinking water with you and refill at hygienic places only. Do not forget to wear those gloves. Go digital. Digital payments are the key to minimizing physical contact between buyers and sellers. Download a few apps and transfer the necessary amount of money from your bank account while maintaining minimal contact with the seller. Respect people at places you visit. It is possible that the locals may not be happy about visitors and may ask you to leave. Do not get into arguments and leave politely. It would be a good idea to check with the hotels you are staying at or with travel information websites on any restriction or quarantine rules that may be relevant for the visitors. The Biker Radio Broadcast website has a useful short video on how you can convert a buff into an effective mask. Check bikerradiorroadcast.com. That's it from me, Vinil Varghese from leavetheroad.in for the Biker Radio Soundboard. Listen, connect, right on. You are listening to the Biker Radio Soundboard.
0: Well, thanks Binil and also to remind you, if you want to learn how to wear a buff as a mask, uh, head out to our website, that's www.bikeradiorodcast.com and if you want to check out Binil's blog, it is at leavetheroad.in Right now, it's back to Rohit Subramanian, aka Misfit Magellan. Hi, this is Rohit Subramanian. Rohit Subramanian. Rohit
1: Subramanian. Hey, Mr. Maglin. Misfit Maglin. And you're listening to Biker Radio, Biker Radio Okay, I haven't told the story out loud, but I think I'm ready now. So let's do this. Hmm. So, Argentina, I was riding with uh, another rider who just started riding. So he said, "Can you come with me for a few days?" So I'm also he's a European rider, but he's just started. So we both were riding together and um, and this is just his fifth day of the ride. So one fine day, we were standing just before a village. And uh, we were just taking our phones to see where is our campsite. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're looking at the phone. And uh, this guy is six foot three. We both are sitting on two bikes. And uh, in front of us, a kid comes, takes a gun from his pocket and says, give me everything that you have. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know what to do. So, but I told this guy, dude, whatever happens, do not get out from the bike. Stay here. Because you don't even understand what the kid is saying. Mm. So I I have my phone. I have my money. I can give everything. And we can escape the situation. Okay. So I said, "You sit." Then I got down from the bike. I started walking towards the kid saying, what do you need? Like, do you want some money? Do you want some, uh, my phone? Like, if I keep the money on the floor, it's going to fly away. So you need to, you know, come closer and pick it up and everything. Mm -hmm. Genuinely, I was not trying to uh, attack the kid or something. He might be, he should be like 10, 13 years old. My, I have a cousin who's of the same height. So that's how I assume he's that age. Mm. So something like that. So the more I'm going closer to him, the kid is like, don't come, don't come closer, but just drop your money and keep your phone on top of it and just like walk back. Mm. I'm like, how much money you want? Like I can go back and pick up more from a bag. I started looking at my backpack and everything. Mm. And um, the kid basically shouts saying, what the fuck? Can't you listen to me sort Mm. of thing? Mm-hmm. So this this guy who is sitting next to me, mm-hmm. the other guy in the bike, he gets freaked out. So he gets down from the bike. So he's six foot three, and the kid gets intimidated by that guy, mm-hmm. and the kid takes a shot. And the bullet just misses both of us. Like it went, it goes in between us, mm-hmm. and we're like, "Fuck!" And because, and the kid didn't know how 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 you he would happy. react also because huh. I think it's not his profession. Okay, mm-hmm. so he got scared. He threw the gun. He he ran away.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So then the whole villages came and I was like in complete shock. Mm. So I didn't know what to do. So the next uh, three months in Patagonia was spent in that alone solitude, sort of a zone of one and a half, like, I think four months was because of this. And I think that's also the reason why we didn't do any more episodes after the Chilean episode, because Mm. I was not ready to talk about anything to a lot of people. I just going on the ride and just doing, figuring out to get out of this experience. Basically.
2: Card. Hmm.
0: So just I don't know So what do you do?
1: Nothing I just had to like Get it out of I mean now uh, It's a cool story It's one of the coolest stories That I can tell people So <laughs> It's fun so, And so uh, But uh, Basically you got
2: shot at
1: Yeah And it missed me by a few inches And, and your friend too Yeah friend too Yeah So both of us are fine But uh, I don't talk to that person anymore because uh, I really felt like because him getting up is the reason why it triggered the kid that's in my head (laughs) I might be completely wrong but uh, but yeah I had to take my time off from everything and but I also like sat him down and told him that dude this is beginning of your trip so you should not like let this affect you you should continue further but me on the other hand I'm ending it anyway I have more time to introspect and figure this out and I've done this in the past Mm. Uh, like so this is much more easier for me than you so don't take it personally. He understood. He was, he was very chill. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also shaken up, definitely, visibly. But uh, yeah, it took it took some time to get out of it. So cool stories. <laughs> yeah,
2: more than cool, man. They're chill stories, completely.
1: Definitely. Well, yeah. I mean, is, at that moment, now yeah. that I think of it, like now it's it's funny. Like now we can sit and laugh it's about so it. It's like, so freaking funny. Yeah. The kid takes a shot and then
0: runs away. Like, you know, oh shit, I don't know what this was supposed to happen. Yeah, Just imagine. It's not
1: part of the plan, man. I'm, yeah. Like, imagine, like, you know, people talk about preparation for a trip and uh, planning for a trip. Yeah. But how do you prepare for this, dude? You like, don't. what do you plan for this? You, you don't. know? Yeah. And you can't blame a country for this. You can't blame um, a region for this. Right. You know, is South America unsafe? No, it's as safe as any other country in the world, hmm. you know, if the same thing would have happened in the United States. And I yeah. think the chance of it happening in, uh, in a developed country is more hmm. in my opinion. So you can't blame uh, the country for that. It, this is a one-off experience that happened with me. Right. So I wouldn't say like, and I know so many friends of mine who have gone around all of these countries without any incidents whatsoever. Hmm. Right. And I've had more horror stories I've heard from different people. So yeah. and but that's the same thing with any country in the world. So so I think it's part of the journey and um, th- that's why I also have also said always said to myself that you can prepare you, you, if you want to plan what are you going to plan for? What do you account for? You know what is the thing that is that you say that okay if this incident happens I will deal with it like this.
0: You got it covered. You've got three things to prepare for. Travel, correct. Food and accommodation.
1: Yeah. Simple. So everything else is variables and the thing. Mm. So, oh, you're perfect and, for uh, any kind of a seismic activity. Also, you just backpack bago. Ah, that's it. Simple. I mean, uh, the the love for motorcycle <laughs> is the is the the biggest one. But uh, you like oh so when Sukesh and I were traveling in um, Colombia, uh, they were telling that um, the the left extremist called the Fox. Mm-hmm. So they were um, like uh, in the in the forest of colombia in Mm. the eastern side or something Mm. yeah the eastern side and uh, they used to kidnap people for money Mm, and ransom and all of that Mm. so you know and this is the time when we were not getting enough funds for the trip so we were getting sponsors but like the money was coming in phases we need more money to survive sustain every day it was we bonded over poverty between us like we were Mm. traveling around the world but even today if you ask either of us how did the trip happen Mm. you know we still have no clue how and where the money came from. But it just, every time the bank was zero, account was zero, the next day something came up. Mm. So there's one night, occasion. and I was joking, saying that, you know what, it'll be so much fun at least. We'll get some sort of newspaper coverage, media coverage, and um, documentary will sell if these guys take us for ransom
3: <laughs> and ask us <laughs> for money.
1: <laughs> so. Somebody
2: else made money of you, huh?
1: Yeah, I mean but we'll get we'll get publicity. Then Sukesh is like I'll definitely video like I'll definitely record all of this and tell them I'll make you famous, like you'll be the next Escobar and all of that. We'll sell it to Netflix and we'll make money out of it. <laughs> Full planning we are doing. I'm like, Oh yeah, we can take from this angle, like them like trying to shoot our bikes, the wheels and all of that and you're going in slow motion. <laughs> so yeah, thankfully none of that happened. Mm. But um, yeah. So if there it was an opportunity
2: To ride with uh, somebody out of uh, history or fantasy on a a motorcycle trip, who would it be
1: and why? Oh, I have definitely never thought about this question. Uh, It's going to be very tricky because uh, I always play this game saying that if you have to have dinner with someone over the history, like if you have to say five people, who would those five people be, you know, and why? So, is the thing, so who but would, when yeah. it comes to motorcycle, it's a little different for me. So, so
2: let's start with dinner. Who would the five people be? Oh,
1: <laughs> okay. So number one would be Nikola Tesla. Okay. 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 So that is one. Second thing is Charlie Chaplin. So okay. that's two. Third would be uh, genghis Khan, the uh-huh. ruler. So he would be three. Uh, fourth would be. Uh, Nelson Mandena. So, okay. that is four. And uh, fifth would be... Would be... That's going to be tricky again. But um, just on top of my head, I'm going to say Che Guevara. Okay. So, are you... Yeah. Uh, motorcycle trip with Charlie Chaplin. Okay. Why? Because uh, I think... He's a very interesting character Okay, when whatever the, the humor that he was trying to get into the world in the times of uh, whatever was going through in the world at that time, mm. and him mocking the, the great dictator, so to say, uh, at that time was very courageous. So mm-hmm. I would, um, I would ideally want to see how that as a, a journey goes. And I know that it's going to be a lot of, uh, there's going to be fun, definitely, but there's also a lot of philosophies that attaches with that, in my opinion. So mm. It'd be be really cool to go on a motorcycle ride with him.
0: So Rohit Banyam, we wish you all the best for your documentary. Thank you. And uh, we hope that you will make many, many, many more of the documentaries and the content that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'd like to congratulate you for everything that you've done. And we wish you all the best for the road
2: ahead. Thank you. Thank you so much. It really means a lot. Thank you, Rohit. Thank you for being with us today. Keep, keep okay, sorry.
0: Sorry, Paklam. Paklam.
2: <laughs>
0: they say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, and Rohit has walked away from the jaws of death, and we thank the Almighty for that. Well, as travelers, we all have a love for the road for various reasons. Sometimes the road throws up challenges that you're never quite ready for, and sometimes the road gets rid of your problems for you. Argentina, nevertheless, is a spectacular country, giving us the absolutely stunning Patagonia, a dream that few managed to take off on their list. And how can we forget the greatest gift to the beautiful sport of football itself, Diego Maradona, to whom we solemnly bid farewell. Svala. Sometimes a square peg is exactly what you need in a round hole especially if the whole thing needs to be rethought. Now, Rohit Subramanian, imaginatively Christian misfit Magellan, prefers to square up with the wholesalers and the no-sayers. While some of us charter courses, a core magnetic resonance within him guides this young explorer to find newer grounds, challenge popular boundaries and prove that being different is not the refuge of the quirky, but the need of the day, when most of us are rearranging life our purpose and the round hole we've got ourselves into take care folks the road goes on this is shandy on the biker radio
3: broadcast, and it sure is time to say